The Productive Woman, Episode 447. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Well, thank you so much for joining me. In this episode, we'll talk about a few small changes we can make today to create a more productive tomorrow. You'll find more information and links to some resources I'll mention all in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 447. This episode is brought to you by Calm. You know, in today's fast-paced world, taking care of your mental health is more important than ever. If you're looking to reduce stress, increase mindfulness, and improve your overall well-being, I can highly recommend Calm as a resource. And that's why I'm so glad to be partnering this year with Calm, the number one mental wellness app to help give you the tools that can improve the way you feel. Calm recognizes that everyone faces unique challenges in their daily lives, that mental health needs differ from person to person, and that time for things like meditation may vary. And since self-care practices are so deeply personal, Calm strives to provide content that caters to everyone's preferences and needs. So they have their meditations that range from focuses on anxiety to stress, self-care to inner peace. They have sleep stories, relaxing music tracks, and daily movement sessions, all designed to help give you the tools to improve the way you feel. They even have expert-led talks on topics such as tips for overcoming stress and anxiety, handling grief, improving self-esteem, caring for relationships, and more. Pretty much everything you need to prioritize your mental health and wellness is found in Calm. And if you go to calm.com slash TPW, you can take advantage of their special offer of 40% off the Calm premium subscription. This is the one that I pay for every year. And it's great because new content is added every week. So you can relax because Calm's got everything you need for a happier and healthier you. As you've probably heard me say, my favorite thing about Calm is the sleep stories, probably because I often have trouble falling asleep or falling back asleep when I wake in the middle of the night. Just last night, I listened to part of a Calm sleep story. I fell asleep before it finished, but I at least listened to the beginning of it. But the app also offers other mindfulness tools. So when I first opened the app on my phone or my iPad, It features several options to help, for instance, start the day off right. There's the Daily Calm, which is a 10-minute guided meditation that today encourages us to be here now. They have something called the Daily J, which they describe as a daily piece of wisdom to inspire you. Today's is about defying expectations. And then they offer the Daily Move, which is a daily stretching practice that combines mindfulness with getting your body moving. It's only six minutes long. All of these are things that can fit into nearly anyone's schedule and give you that few minutes of mindfulness and self-care that can really make a difference in your day. And as I said, for listeners of The Productive Woman, Calm is offering this exclusive offer of 40% off their premium subscription 
at calm.com slash TPW. So go to calm, C-A-L-M dot com slash TPW for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. Once again, that's calm.com slash TPW. All right. As I'm recording this, we in the Northern Hemisphere, at least, are wrapping up the school year and moving into the summer months. And it feels to me like a time to kind of look at my life, think about what I want to do with these upcoming months. And it got me thinking about a few small changes that we can make in our daily lives to set us up for even more productivity in the days and weeks to come. And so I thought I'd share just three of those with you today. And the first one that I thought about is to institute a habit of corralling our tasks. When we want to make good use of our time and get things done, it's really crucial that we think ahead about what we're going to do on any given day rather than simply reacting to what comes. And so the change we can make here, and maybe you already do this. If you do, great. But if you don't, the change I'm kind of recommending here and something I'm going to be more focused on in the coming weeks is to spend 10 minutes at the end of the day to put on paper the things that I need or want to accomplish tomorrow. And I'm encouraging you to consider this as well. And when I'm talking about corralling the tasks, part of it is the habit of doing this at the end of the day. Maybe you normally kind of plan your day at the beginning of the day. I'm suggesting for the next week or so, try doing this just a few minutes at the end of the day, whether it's the end of your work day or the end of the day before you go to bed, however you want to do this, whenever you want to do it to write down on a piece of paper the things that you need or want to accomplish tomorrow. And specifically, try limiting that list to just three things, three things that must get done, your MITs, your most important tasks for tomorrow. These are the tasks that will make the day a good one if you get them done. And I would say to sort of throw a little twist on it, if possible, make one of those things something that's for you personally, something special for you or something you want to do for yourself. Now, most of us have more than three things we want to get done in any given day, and that's fine. But I want to encourage you to start your list with what are the three things, just three things that I really must get done tomorrow, that if I get these things done, I'm going to feel like it was a good day. And then maybe have a second section of the list where you can put the other tasks that you will get to if you can. But these top three MITs are the focus of the list. And to add yet another twist on this, I would encourage you to consider for just for the next week or so, as you're creating this habit, to pick one task off the list, whether it's one of the top three or something else, maybe not one of the top three, but pick one of the other tasks to delegate to someone, whether it's to your spouse, to one of your kids, to a colleague, to an assistant if you have one, but pick one task off your list each day to delegate. Now, I can almost guarantee that you're thinking, that's not going to work for me. I don't have anyone to delegate it to, or more likely what from the conversations I've had with women and personally, sometimes I think, I, I think you're thinking the only way to get it done right is to do it yourself. 
And I, I want to ask you to ask yourself if that's really the truth. It might be that the way to get it done the way you want it done, you'd need to do it yourself. But for most tasks, there is more than one way to get it done. And it may be that relinquishing micromanagement and letting go some of these tasks for somebody else to do might just buy you both some time and some peace. I have seen a lot of posts and, and videos and things recently from different women talking about how overwhelmed they are with managing all the things and uh, specifically managing all the family things and ex actually expressing frustration or even resentment because they feel their partner isn't doing his fair share. And I say his because in pretty much every one of these posts and, and videos and things that I've seen, it's been a woman talking about her male partner and feeling like they're doing more than their fair share of the things that need to be done to keep the household running. And that's, that's specifically what I'm thinking about here. I've thought about this a lot. And I guess I would say, if you're feeling that way, I want to gently encourage you to begin to unload some of those tasks that you're feeling frustrated about, those things on the list that somebody else could do. And I hear you saying, oh, they won't do it right or they won't do it in time or whatever. I invite you to let go of that. I think, especially if it's a task that's not one of those MITs that are things that you need to do and that you really need to get done. A lot of the other things on our lists, I, I truly believe it would be better to let that task go undone than to let it continue to be a source of resentment and conflict. And so I encourage you to look at your list and start speaking up and asking for help from the people in your life. As far as managing those tasks and why I'm talking about writing this on a piece of paper here, we've, we've discussed actually in recent episodes various tools to help us with managing the things we need to do. And I, you know, I commend you to those episodes to hear what different people are talking about uh, as far as the tools that are working for them. Choose one of those, work with it. But for this week, for this small change to start developing a habit, I would encourage you to try using just a to-do list pad or a simple piece of paper for this daily list of your top three and then whatever other things you want to put on there that you will get to if you can. I think it will make a huge difference because you will go into the next day knowing what's most important to you and having a, a plan of attack to get those things done. And I encourage you to do that. Let me know how it works for you. So the first small change is to develop a habit of corralling our tasks, both by the way we uh, set aside time at the end of the day to think about the next day and prepare for it, but also choosing something to delegate and limiting the tasks that are on our list for the day. The second, I say small change, but the second change I have in mind for us, actually the second and third, both are kind of mind changes, thinking changes. Number two is to cultivate mindfulness. And we've talked about this on and off in recent episodes, Mindfulness is a very important uh, thing in terms of making lives that matter, meaningful productivity. 
And so when I'm talking about mindfulness, I'm really talking about just being present in the moment. Uh, According to one article in Psychology Today, they define it this way. Mindfulness is the practice of observing, discovering, and letting things be as they are. This article also notes that mindfulness meditation is essentially dropping everything to just notice what is already here. Uh, Mindfulness is, I guess, the opposite of and maybe even an antidote to mindless busyness. The article says this, mindfulness is an underused form of intelligence that can promote psychological freedom instead of the automatic productivity and burnout we've often promoted instead. After all, what's the point of productivity if we're not present and intentional in our being and don't live with sufficient simplicity, ease, joy, and patience? Also, the the writer asks, what's the true quality of our productivity or nonstop doing if we rarely rest? Resting can actually enhance creativity and productivity. And I really liked the way they said that and why mindfulness matters is because it's about being aware of what's going on around you, but also what's going on inside you, what you're thinking, what you're feeling, and whether it's contributing to a meaningfully productive life or if it's detracting from it. Valerie Hall Little, who's a leadership coach, defines mindfulness as paying attention on purpose and says, when you're mindful, you're fully present in the moment rather than dwelling on the past or fretting about the future. And I like that as well. Another writer in a post on the Zapier blog, and I will link to all of these articles in the show notes, and I encourage you to check them out and read them yourself. Um, But in this blog, the writer says, in essence, mindfulness is the practice of being especially conscious or aware of what's happening in the current moment. And again, it's, it's being especially conscious or aware of what's happening around us and within us. And that's what, where the value of mindfulness comes in. There's a ton of research on the correlation between mindfulness and productivity, According to an article in the business journal, Inc., uh, they say components like rational thinking, decision-making, employee engagement, and creativity all impact efficiency when completing tasks. And there's plenty of research to prove how mindfulness can improve all of these components. So mindfulness, this practice of being aware and present in the moment, can improve our rational thinking, our decision-making, our engagement at work, and our creativity. That same article goes on to cite research from a a particular business school that found that doing just 15 minutes of mindfulness-based meditation, such as concentrating on breathing, can lead to more rational thinking when making business decisions. Uh, They say the study investigated the effects of mindfulness on a phenomenon known as sunk cost bias. Sunk cost bias occurs when you've invested so much into a hopeless project, you can't bring yourself to stop for fear of losing all that was invested. And this study found that mindfulness reduces the tendency to allow prior unrecoverable costs to influence future business decisions. 
Now, this is a business journal that's the, where this quote comes from. So it's talking about mindfulness and the value of mindfulness in work, in decision-making in the workplace. But the same would be true of decisions about relationships, about investments, about household matters, your career, and so much more. There is this, this idea of the sunk cost bias, this feeling of, I've got to keep going. It's hopeless, but I, I can't quit because I've, I've invested so much time or so much money in it. And mindfulness can help overcome that bias. This same article also talks about research showing that mindful people are more creative and that mindfulness can foster empathy, which leads to better teamwork whether at work or in the home. Another article I read cites other research that, and I'm quoting from the article now, has documented the success of mindfulness in a wide range of practical applications from mental health treatments like PTSD recovery to helping us have a more positive self-perception. Mindfulness can help with all of these things. The, the writer of that particular article mentions a, a 2005 study, so this has been around for a while, that showed that meditation can increase brain density in the prefrontal cortex. And other studies that have shown mindfulness training might improve our memory and decision-making. Uh, so there's tons of studies out there about how mindfulness can <laughs> improve our thinking, improve our brain function, and help us, therefore, to be more productive, more creative, all of those things. Leadership coach Valerie Hall Little in the, the LinkedIn post that I mentioned a few minutes ago says, working mindfully heightens your focus and leads you directly into flow, that powerful state of complete connection to your brilliance as you are fully immersed in an activity. So mindfulness, this practice of being present and aware and paying attention on purpose has tons of benefits for our life and for our productivity. So a bunch of the resources I looked at share different practices that we could try to implement mindfulness practice into our everyday life. Uh, uh, all of them talked about different meditation exercises. Now, this isn't a religious exercise. I think a lot of us, maybe not you, but I certainly when I first was reading about meditation and the value of it, I, uh, I had this picture of, of monks, you know, bald monks in robes chanting uh, meditation things. That's not what this is about. It's not a, a religious exercise at all. It's simply a few minutes of quiet presence and awareness and being um, paying attention on purpose. And so different uh, articles talked about ways to do that. Uh, they all generally say, you know, first step is to get comfortable. You don't have to lie down. You don't have to sit on the floor. You just need to be comfortable and start by sitting kind of still and quiet and, and paying attention to your body, scanning it for tension points, starting at the top of your head and working your way down. Notice your thoughts as they come and then let them go. And not, you know, it, if your, your mind wanders, that doesn't mean you're failing at meditation or mindfulness. Just notice what your mind is thinking, the thoughts that are coming your way, and then let them go. And a lot of the meditation exercises and recommendations talk about breathing. 
Uh, and there are different ways of, of doing that, but you can simply breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth and focus your attention on the breath and where it goes in your body and how your body is reacting to it. So any kinds of meditation exercises can uh, help with fostering this mindfulness practice in your life. Obviously, I recommend Calm. I I actually didn't realize that this was a sponsored episode until after I had done the outline. And then I went back and I looked and I thought, well, okay, that, that works. Uh, so I'm not promoting Calm simply because, uh, you know, they're a sponsor, but it really does help. And they have a lot of tools in that app that can help with these exercises and, and developing that skill of being still and paying attention to the moment. Another mindfulness practice to try this week is single tasking, um, doing one thing and only one thing at a time. I mean, how often do we experience a situation where our body's doing one thing while our mind is somewhere else? Uh, I think a lot of us have had those moments where we've you know, driven home from work or, or wherever we're going and realize when we get there, we barely remember the trip because our mind was off somewhere else and we were on autopilot. Or we're working at our desk or in the house while listening to a podcast or an audiobook, and we have to rewind because we missed the last 10 minutes because our mind went somewhere else. So one change that we can make this week is to practice doing only one thing at a time and focusing our attention and our thoughts on that one thing, whether it's folding clothes or answering emails or drafting a report or going for a walk, turn off the other things, the the music or the TV or whatever else is going on, and just try to practice being in that moment, doing this one thing with our attention focused on it, no matter how mundane it might be. And there are different ways that we can begin incorporating mindfulness, this paying attention on purpose into our daily life. One thing you can maybe do is set a timer for every 55 minutes to remind you to pause just very briefly, notice what you're doing, what you're thinking, what you're feeling, and, and just Pay attention to it for a moment. Another thing we can do is to tack these mindfulness practices onto the other things that happen in our day or another habit we already have established. So, you know, maybe try to cultivate a habit of doing 15 to 30 seconds of just deep breathing and focusing on our breath when we hang up from a phone call before we move on to the next thing, just pause for a moment, relax our bodies and do some breathing and be present in that moment. Maybe do the same thing, you know, that sort of mindfulness practice of bringing our thoughts to the moment while we wait for our coffee or tea to brew or the pasta water to boil. Maybe 30 to 60 seconds of stretching and mindfulness when we first wake up, before you pick up your phone, before you start thinking about the day, just take just 30 seconds even to stretch your body and be in the moment. Notice what you're feeling, the sensations, the smells, the sights. Another thing we can do is if if you, you know, want some exercise to take a walk outside outside without your phone or without earbuds and just 
be in the moment, be present while you're walking and paying attention to the sounds and sights and smells around you. Any of these things can make a, a difference and help us to cultivate and develop this habit of being present and aware and get all the benefits that I talked about, uh, that all the research shows comes along with that kind of mindfulness. The third change we can make this week to, to set ourselves up for a more productive next week is to start to cultivate a growth mindset. So it, this is another sort of mind thing. There's mindfulness, but then there's a growth mindset. As I was researching this topic, I came across a variety of articles, all of which I'll link in the show notes if you want to look into this more, that talked about the importance of a growth mindset in making a productive and meaningful life. Uh, for instance, a, the blog, the Psychology Today blog says, uh, a growth mindset is simply the belief that our basic abilities can be developed and improved through dedication and hard work. The opposite of a growth mindset is a fixed mindset, which is a belief that we're born and raised with an innate set of skills and abilities, and we can't do anything to improve or change them. So the concept of a growth mindset and, the, and a fixed mindset was really looked at in depth in Carol Dweck's book, Mindset, which I highly recommend. And every article I read about this topic cites back to that book. Uh, why does it matter to have a growth mindset? I think the Psychology Today blog summarizes it well, and I wanted to quote a little bit of that article and encourage you to uh, go to the show notes, find the link, and read this article. Whether you have a growth mindset or a fixed mindset makes a huge difference in what you're able to accomplish in your life and the kind of productivity you can have or not have. And so the article or this Psychology Today blog says, if we have a fixed mindset, we may shy away from challenges because we do not want to feel embarrassed or humiliated in front of others. But this can be problematic because our fear of making mistakes can lead us to avoid challenges and new experiences experiences that would help us grow, improve ourselves in important ways, and create the life we desire. A fixed mindset gets in the way. If you believe that you're born with a certain set of skills and abilities, and that's all you get, and they can't be improved, they can't be changed, you will see any failure as evidence that you don't have what it takes. And it will be embarrassing, humiliating, and you will avoid situations where you have to do things where you might fail. The article then goes on to say, if we have a growth mindset, on the other hand, we enjoy challenges despite the risk, usually because we value learning and growth more than others thinking we know what we're doing. And because we're always trying new things, we often don't know what we're doing. Still, those of us with a growth mindset often build new skills and manifest something more easily because we believe we can, and so we really work at it. That's the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. And I will admit that most of my life I've had a fixed mindset. I don't like uh, failing in front of other people I, because I tell myself a story about what it means about me as a person. And so one of the changes I have been trying to make is to develop a growth mindset. 
the idea that failure is just evidence that I tried and that I can learn, I can improve, I can build new skills if I try. Again, if uh, you haven't read Carol Dweck's book, Mindset, uh, I encourage you to check it out. It's really good reading, a lot of great stuff in it. And um, I'll put a link in the show notes for that. So there are different ways that we can develop a growth mindset, different things we can do. And uh, I'll I'll share a few things. The, The Psychology Today post that I mentioned a minute ago actually identifies 15 different ways to develop a growth mindset. And Carol Dweck in the book also talks about it. Um, So I encourage you to check those out. And I'm not going to read them all, but the Psychology Today list includes things like learn to acknowledge and embrace imperfection. Nobody's perfect, but we can all grow and learn. That's what a growth mindset means. Another thing that's on their list is to pay attention to your words and thoughts. I like what they said about this. They said, replace negative thoughts with more positive ones to build a growth mindset. Replace judgment with acceptance, hate with compassion. And here they're talking about towards yourself, right? Replace your negative thoughts with positive ones. You can say, I don't know how to do this. I can't do this. I can't do it yet, but I can learn, right? Um, they go on to say, if you are disrespecting yourself or lowering your ethical standards, the outcome of your decisions and their consequences will, will reflect that. Intend to think higher thoughts and hold yourself to them. So I really like that. Paying attention. So this goes back to the mindfulness, paying attention to what's going through your brain, the stories you're telling yourself and replace those, uh, judgy things with acceptance and compassion. A third thing we can do, according to this article, is to stop seeking approval from others. This is what they say about that. Approval from others can often prevent a growth mindset. Cultivate self-acceptance and self-approval. Learn to trust yourself. You are the only person who will always be there for you in your life. So you are the only one you need to impress. And finally, a a fourth thing. They had 15 of them. I'm only mentioning four of them. Uh, They say we should learn to value the process over the end result. Uh, The truth is mistakes, even failures happen. But when you have a growth mindset, you know that those mistakes, those failures don't define you. They're just evidence that you're trying new things. And in order to learn new skills and develop new abilities, we have to try new things. And that means by definition, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to fail. We can keep going though, because we know that with work and persistence, we can grow and develop and improve. So those are a few things that I'm thinking about that maybe you want to try as well. I had a ton of other thoughts and ideas of things that we could change today to make tomorrow more productive, but I decided to kind of take my own advice and limit our focus for now to just these three. I think if we take steps in each of the three areas I've talked about, corralling our tasks, practicing mindfulness, and cultivating a growth mindset, we will make progress in our productivity and make great strides in making a life that matters. I'd love to know what you think about this. Did did any of these resonate with you? 
whether you're heading into the summer break like we are in the northern hemisphere or maybe a different season entirely for those those of you in the uh, southern hemisphere what small changes could you make to your daily life to be even more productive in all the best senses tomorrow? And I, I mean more productive, not just in the sense of getting lots of stuff done, but in making a life that matters as you just define it. I'd love to hear what you think about this. You can share your ideas, your thoughts, your questions in the comments section of the show notes for this episode, which you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 447. And that's also where you'll find the links to those various resources I mentioned. You can also post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page, or if you're a member of the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, that's a great place for us to uh, encourage and share ideas with each other about this. As always, if you prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, you can do that by emailing your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. And I would love to hear from you. Remember, for listeners of The Productive Woman, Calm is offering that exclusive offer of 40% off their premium subscription. So if you, uh, introducing more mindfulness, learning to practice more mindfulness is on your list, uh, this could be a great tool for you to try out. You can learn more by going to calm.com slash TPW. That's C-A-L-M dot com slash TPW for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. And that's it for this episode of The Productive Woman. As always, I am so grateful to you for spending this time with me. I hope you felt like it was helpful. I look forward to talking with you again very, very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter.